Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. We are very excited to talk to you this week because there has been a lot of happenings in the basketball world, especially within the Big 12. We discuss all of that, and we have a heated discussion about horns down and a Big 12 football schedule release and some of the games not being on certain dates. This is also a very special episode for us because we reach a milestone number with this episode. You'll find all of that out within the episode. Just make sure you're listening for it. Before you get into the episode, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal to Royal Pod, where you'll find lots of fun and interactive content. We love interacting with you guys on the gram, especially. You guys have been super active lately. We love it. We appreciate you. Now, let's get into the episode. Let's boo. Go Tigers. That field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go for your death, Let's back this bula. Yeah! Ah! Ah! Let's go out Let's go, baby. Let's go. We're at a waterfall, dude. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast. Got my podcasting voice out today. Um, oh, do, yeah. Your, should we? We're doing podcasting voices. Uh, I can't do that Let's the see. whole time. I'm gonna die. Welcome to the show. This is the Royal Strong and True podcast. Uh, no, I can't do that. Uh, let's just do normal voices. Yeah, I'm okay with normal voices. Uh, any anyway, uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, sorry for the week off. It was a little bit of a crazy week for us. Uh, scheduling didn't work out. Plus, we wanted to watch more basketball. Uh, rather than talk about it because of what happened on Tuesday night. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, we will get to all of it. Uh, but yeah, we are back. Don't worry. And we have a little special announcement. Everybody that's been with us from the beginning and everybody that's been with us since today, uh, we thank you for your continued service to listening to us all the time because you love us because we are on our 150th episode. Can you Can you even imagine that, Justin? 150 episodes? I am applauding if you can't hear that through the mic. Honestly, Jared, when we first started the show, I didn't know that we were going to get through 150 seconds of recording. <laughs> Meanwhile, here we are, 150 episodes into it, over 16,000 downloads over the course of our history. Just absolutely bonkers that this has gotten to the proportion that it is now, and it's all thanks to Royal Strong and True Nation. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't think we've decided what our listeners are called, but our listeners, we love you. <laughs> we love you. That is an off-season topic that we might get to in a couple of months here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is basketball season, so let's talk about a little bit of basketball. Um, women's basketball, for certain. Um, the women's basketball, we haven't shouted them out in a while. Um, now, let's be blatant, blatantly honest. Uh, They're not doing super, super well. Uh, as expected, as one of the new teams in the Big 12, they're having a rough go of it. Uh, I think in women's basketball, the disparity between the good teams and the not good teams is way, way larger than it is in men's basketball. Now, I think that's changing, right? Like it used to be South Carolina and UConn and then everybody else. Now there's a lot of 
like really good teams, but I think the difference between the good teams and the not good teams still really, really big. And women's basketball at BYU is kind of figuring that out right now. You know, I think I'd have to agree with that. The only problem with BYU women's basketball is that they're still figuring out which of those two teams they are, good or bad. Um, I mean, this just this past week alone, right? They play, what is it, a top three team in Kansas State? Yeah. At Kansas State in Manhattan and only lose by a bucket. Like, they were in it the entire game. Then they go and play at Kansas, who is the worst women's basketball team in the league. And lose by double digits. Make doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any yeah. sense. I don't understand it. I Lauren Gustin, she's a goat though. I keep I got like notifications from like the main ESPN page of like Lauren Gustin with 20 point 20 rebound double double versus you know, can't something ridiculous. Her numbers are absolutely insane. She's the goat. Shout out to her. Um, maybe we could use her on the men's team. Uh, yes, <laughs> and we'll get to that a little later. But yeah, the Big 12, just as it is in men's basketball, is very, very good in women's basketball. Like Justin said, Kansas State, that BYU lost to by two, number two in the country. Did I, did I lose you, Jared? Oh, no, I, I got you. I don't know if you got me, though. You got me? My internet connection is unstable. Fetching bollocks. Why does this always happen to us? Switching back to the Wi-Fi. We'll see if this absolutely destroys our connection here. <laughs> I have no idea how this is going to end. Hello, Justin? You got me? Hello? Hello? Yeah, I, I can hear you now. I, can, <laughs> I, I have no clue where you left off. I, I, I lost you for like a solid 20 seconds there. Yeah, I don't know either. We'll probably just edit up that all out, whatever that ended up sounding like. <laughs> um, anywho, Big 12, very good in women's basketball, just like it is in men's basketball. Number two, Kansas State. Uh, number two in the country, right? Like, very, very good. BYU is currently in, what is it, 12th place? Let me see. Yes, 14, 13, 12th. Uh, we are in 12th place. All four new coming schools are in the bottom five spots of the conference. So it's not like this is just a BYU problem, right? This is everybody trying to find a way to up their game to a more competitive level. Um, and we're all kind of struggling right now. Uh, but we are back in the Marriott Center uh, this Saturday. We'll host West Virginia, who is number 23 in the country. They are stinking good, beating people by like 45 these days. Um, so it'll be a good test to see whether it was kind of our problems on the road where we lost by six and two, or if we really do uh have some stuff to figure out so that'll be interesting it'll be on espn plus i'll be producing jimmer is going to be on the call so i don't know what else you want oh. uh, from that so uh yeah just come watch the game <laughs> oh yeah that's pretty sweet but jared you mentioned something and i think it's a perfect segue into our next little point speaking of the big 12 and struggling oh let's talk about the big 12 schedulers who who just released today the big 12 football schedule for 2024 we're not going to touch on all the schedules but the schedule we will touch on is byus of course because you know royal strong and true of course you know go kooks um jared what are your initial thoughts on um byus schedule jared just blew a mean raspberry with a down thumb 
yep yep big 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 fart poop what a terrible terrible like okay i look at the schedule nothing really computes in my brain except for the fact that we play utah on november 9th what the frick are we doing i don't understand okay this has angered me so much like i don't go on twitter much anymore but i went on a tirade on twitter and i just was like liking and retweeting and commenting on all these things about the Big 12 football schedule because it is absolutely asinine that BYU-Utah, the freaking Holy War, the best rivalry west of the Mississippi River, is on November 9th. What are we doing? Brett Yormark is a complete fraud. I I am so out on, on him as a commissioner. Now, people have tried to explain to me, right, why he's doing it, and I get it. I get why he's doing it. Money. Uh, you want more visibility. You don't want the, to lose that in the wash of the rivalry games. You want to give your best teams the chance to have momentum at the end of the season. You don't want to put a good game on rivalry weekend that can knock somebody out of the playoff picture. Okay? I get it. I hate it. I think that's stupid. You're abandoning everything that's good with the sport, everything that makes college football college football. You abandon it so that you can make money, so that you can position yourself in a it's just very selfish and and money focused. I I could go on in like an hour long tirade about why this is stupid. I just final word. This is stupid with two O's. Wow, that 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 is pretty stupid. Slightly stupid, maybe even. Um, <laughs> shout out, slightly stupid. Good band. Anyway, um, yeah, dude. Like honestly, I'm very disappointed that this Utah game is not on rivalry weekend. You brought up some of the justifications, and some of those are you don't want – correct me if I'm wrong. The Big 12 has three protected rivalries, or is it four? Four. Four protected rivalries. Yeah. And each one of those four is on a different week, so they don't overlap with each other, so they don't take TV viewership from one another. Okay. I get it. Money. But that's lame. That, that, that's really lame. It, it takes away from what rivalry weekend should be. The other explanation is, okay – BYU and Utah will both play each other off of buys. It's kind of following the LSU-Alabama model of playing in the middle of your Big 12 in your conference schedule, both teams off of buys. Again, while it makes sense to the logical brain, we are not logical people here on this podcast, and college football fans are not logical. We want rivalry weekend to be what it is hyped up to be rivalry weekend. We don't want to be playing the Houston Cougars at home on November 30th. Nope. What beef do we have with the Houston Cougars? What we didn't even play them last year? Stupid. That's the stupidest thing. Absolutely stupid. That's not the only stupid thing on this schedule, however, because we are going to have to deal with three road games in our first four games. Thanks to our wonderful scheduling, we have to play at SMU and at Wyoming. We have to play in Laramie until we get Kansas State at home and then travel to Baylor before our first of two buys, which everyone gets now with this uh, um, 12-team playoff model. Yeah, uh, it's I'm having a hard time looking at anything else on the schedule just because that Utah game is so, so stupid. Um I, I do kind of like the way the schedule lays out. Um, it is unfortunate that we have to go on the road for both of our non-FCS, like, non-con games. 
right? I mean, we play Southern Illinois at the beginning of the season. I like that it's at the beginning of the season. Just get out of the way, right? I hate FCS games. They're dumb. Um, and then you have to go on the road for both. I would love to go on the road for one and get one at home um, because I love that we're going to SMU. I love that we're going to Wyoming. I just back-to-back, <laughs> that's kind of a rough start, especially for a team that's going to have so many question marks coming into this year, right? Like we don't even know who any starter is going to be on this team. Um, I do like the placement of the buys. Like you said, everybody gets two buys um, this year. Uh, I'm excited that we get one before Arizona and after that brutal stretch of at SMU, at Wyoming, Kansas State at home, and then at Baylor. Like that's a great place to have a buy, especially when we get Arizona, Oklahoma State, and at UCF next. And then the second buy comes right before the last month of the schedule. BYU, we all know the problems BYU has with injuries. So it would be great to have that little three-game stretch of these three really tough teams, get a bye, and then go into the home stretch. Um, this is a really tough schedule. I, I think every schedule in the Big 12 is going to be tough, but this is, I mean, welcome to Big 12 football, man. We saw it last year. This year I think it's even better. It, just every game is so competitive. There's no game that I'm just going to write BYU off. Like the only game I'd write us off is maybe at Arizona State. Um but I think we can win every single other game on the schedule. I, I'm excited that we are going to be playing such an, an impressive schedule, such a, I don't know, a competitively equal schedule. Uh, it's just, it is unfortunate about the Utah game and that we have to go on the road back to back for a non-con. Yeah, I know that is absolutely obnoxious. One thing I will say though, about our schedule, this is something that a lot of people have mentioned. Um, we do with the, with the addition of the Arizona schools, um, avoid the heat, which is maybe noticeable, maybe, maybe notable. I don't know. We get Arizona at home, and then we don't play Arizona State on the road until November 23rd. That's true. So, um, that's true. Hopefully you avoid some heat there. One thing that's interesting, of all of the Big 12 teams that finished ranked last year, <laughs> we get two, three, four out of the five of them at home. Which is awesome, right? <laughs> and the only road one being at Utah, which is just down the road. It's a basically a neutral site game. So, right. and it, and that one's a rivalry game. You know, we we could win or lose that one very easily. Uh, yeah, I yeah, know. I'm I'm very excited that we get all those teams at home. We had kind of a rough road schedule last year, but now we get Kansas at home, Oklahoma State at home, Arizona at home, and Kansas State at home. Dude, talk about expensive home tickets, bro. Those are going to be – that is an amazing, amazing home schedule. Right? FCS. Speaking of, Jared, we might need to figure that out. <laughs> we we do need to figure out. I, I need to figure out where I'm going to be in three months, whether it's going to be here, Chicago, mm-hmm. Bristol. Where, where's the other place? New York. I don't know. So we'll see where Dang. I – Yeah, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, yeah, because at the very least, I mean, our ticket prices aren't going up, but they said they're reseating us, they're reseating the north and south end zone, yes, which I find interesting. I don't know, that's an off season topic that we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, final takeaway Brett Yormark needs to pull his head out, bro. I, what are you doing putting Utah at November 9th? Like, it, it's just stupid. Uh, that's all I got, bro. <laughs> One thing to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, um. Love the fact that we're getting a storied, absolutely storied Big 12 versus ACC matchup 
with BYU <laughs> traveling to uh, where, where where is SMU even at? Uh, are they uh, in Houston? Dallas outside Dallas. of Dallas? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry, my fault. Don't come at me. Don't come at me. <laughs> yeah, SMU traveling to Texas to play SMU. Storied Big Twelve ACC rivalry. Oh yeah, part of the Big Twelve ACC challenge probably or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but football. Yes. Um, anyway, that's enough about football. Football is not even going on right now. Maybe we'll touch on the NFL a little bit later, but let's get to the big story. Men's basketball. Um, a one in one week. I I think that's that's pretty favorable. We can both say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we played Houston at home. They were the what number five team in the country at that point. Um, Something like that. Maybe well, number three. I don't know. I can't remember. Either way. Um they were number four in the country at that point. Uh, no, tie game. Right in the middle. Gosh, dang. Yes, of course. Tie game with two minutes left. Uh, Noah Waterman hits a baller three to tie the game at 68. And then we don't score again for the last two minutes and lose by seven. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was producing a men's volleyball game during this game. I came out. Our game finished right as Waterman hit the three. So that's the first thing I saw. So I was like, let's go. And then I saw Trevin Nell miss a wide open three. Uh, Foose put up the weakest, like worst floater I've ever seen in my life when he could have just driven and dunked it. Um, But I didn't see the whole thing. I heard that we were down big and kind of fought our way back. But I don't know if you have any more to add on this other than yet another heartbreak for the Cougs. Yeah, I mean, obviously in the Big 12, you want to win your home games, right? Even when it is against the number four team in the nation, you have to you have to win your home games because it's almost impossible to win on the road. We were down big. We were down by double digits. We came storming back, tied up the game. I only have one message about this game, and it is BYU fans on Twitter. Okay. You're soft. You're charm and <laughs> soft. You are soft. I... The refereeing in the Big 12 hasn't been incredible. The first couple games, really not so. The last two or three games that I've watched have actually been pretty well refereed, and the referees have not gotten involved as they have in the games prior to that, right? Foul count hasn't been crazy. Were there some questionable calls? Yes. Did Trevin Nell pull that guy down? No. But that's not the reason you lost the game. The Mm -hmm. reason we lost the game is because Trevin Nell – even with nobody within a five-mile radius of him. (laughs) There are people closer to him in warm-up shots. Missed a wide-open three. Like you mentioned, Foose missed that that little push shot. Both of those buckets would have put us up, and it would have changed the game completely because then Houston is is in desperate attack mode instead of us being in desperate attack mode. For whatever reason, the last two minutes and 30 seconds of every game, Last two minutes and 30 seconds of every half, we lay an absolute egg. Like, there was some, I don't have it off the top of my head, and I don't have it with me either. But Cougar Stats on Twitter posted something that if you take out, like, the final two minutes minutes and 30 seconds of each of the halves um, in every single game, we would be undefeated in Big 12 play. (laughs) That's awesome. Just absolutely. it, It was a collapse. It's... The referees might have played a part in it, but it's not the referee's fault. And we need to stop making ourselves look like little crybabies that cry about the refs, that cry about this, and that cry about other things in the Texas game as well. 
Yeah, <laughs> and that we will get to very, very soon. Um, if I remember right, we got like three straight stops after tying the game, right? Right. We got mm-hmm. three straight stops. There were like a couple of turnovers, and then we blocked a shot or and got a rebound, right? And we still did not score, right? Like that's inexcusable. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's just jitters. I mean, Trevin Nell's the best three-point shooter on the team. Like, I don't know. And then Foosh just like absolutely lost his mind in the paint there. I don't know. It it was very, very frustrating. Not necessarily unexpected that we lost to Houston by seven at home. Like, I think if you would have told us that before the game, even at halftime or something, right? We've probably been like, oh yeah, that's fine. But it's just that it was in our grasp and we let it slip away. It's almost like we're playing Gonzaga again, right? Like, it's just frustrating. Yeah, of course. And it's hard to beat a great team like that when, A, you allow 15 offensive rebounds. 15 offensive rebounds is insane. And they got so many points off of that. That should have been points for us, but instead we allow them to shoot four shots in one possession and get a three. And that happened late, too. Another thing, Tones, when you have, you know, another thing happens that makes it hard to win. You shoot 28% from three. A lot of that being Jackson Robinson going two for 10 from three, <laughs> shooting contested shots, not running the offense, not passing the ball. Granted, he did a lot better in other games and remedied that. But the only person that could hit the broadside of a barn from the three-point line the whole game was Noah Waterman. I mean, listen to these numbers, Jared. Jackson Robinson, two of 10. Spencer Johnson, one of three. Richie Saunders, one of four. He also missed a shot that could have put the Cougars up. Yep. Trevin Nell, one of seven. Our best two three-point shooters. And Jared, let, let me tell you this. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season, versus number four Houston, our best two three-point shooters would have been Noah Waterman and Ali Khalifa, would you have believed me? I would have slapped you. I would have yeah. slapped you. And guess what? Ali Khalifa went two of three. One of those, he banked in. So That's it, it was just it was a tough night from the floor from the Cougars. They figured out that there was a two point line and started doing really well from there, and that momentum carried forward into the Texas game. Yeah, and let's just move right on to the Texas game. I was actually able to attend this one, like my first game in a while, uh, so that was nice. I didn't have any work that day. Um, it was awesome. It was very fun. The environment is is very good from the student section. Um, the rest of the fans, I say there's there there's a lot left to be desired. Um, the student section was packed to the rafters. We'll get into some of their shenanigans. Um, but it, it very, very, very good turnout from the students. Um, but I'd say the rest of the arena was maybe 80%, like tops, right, if you don't count the students. Um, it was kind of disappointing. Uh, it got loud a couple of times. Um, the students got loud a lot, which I was, hey, hey, Moose is biting my cords right now. And so, Moose. yeah, I think he just wants some attention. Um, anyway, the students brought it, right? And they got loud. But the, the rest of the crowd, like, there were only a couple times when we really stood up. Now, granted, we were kind of in control after the first 15 minutes or so. Like, there wasn't a super big, like, clutch moment or clutch play or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've just noticed that in the two games I've been to the Cincinnati game and the Texas game, I've expected more from Cougar nation. Yeah. You know, and I think it has to do with the amount of, um, 
blue hairs that are in the audience, <laughs> which, you know, I'm not nothing against blue hairs, right? There are old people that really get into the game that are yelling. My that grandpa are, that I was sitting next to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I've sat next to behind and in front of old timers that are still passionate, but can't be as loud and they're under their breath. Right. But we have heard countless stories of people being like, excuse me, sit down. I paid for these seats to sit in, not to stand. Or like, what? Don't yell. Don't be disrespectful Don't to cheer. the other team. Don't be, don't say airball. That's rude. You could hurt their feelings. Like, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of that in the crowd. And that's not unique to BYU, right? That happens everywhere. I just feel like given BYU's demographics, we're just, we have a slightly higher population of that than a normal <laughs> crowd does. Because, you know, you have like Iowa State, right? You had that video that went viral of like 80-year-old men on the sideline, like making pouty faces at the at like the, the opposing team's bench and yelling at them. Yeah, and cursing at 19-year-olds. <laughs> that's what we need. That's what we need in our stands. Yes. Um, I Let's just go right to it, I guess. Um, the game was great. We'll get to the game a little bit later, but at, just on the topic of the fans in the stands, kind of the attitude that, that BYU doesn't really cultivate. Um, let's talk about horns down gate. So there were students front row, of the student section, they had white t-shirts with Royal blue letters painted on them. There were like 10 of them right in a row. And they all said horns down. Now, the entire student section was throwing up horns down the entire game. These students on the front row had horns down. They're right where the Texas bench goes in and out. Um, awesome, awesome move, especially after Coach Terry of Texas, like, basically cried himself to sleep the last week or so because of how classless UCF was for throwing horns down when they beat Texas. Um he called him class. Like, he's just been crying. And Texas does this all the time, right? They cry and they complain about how people use the horns down. Um, and so students came with the horns down t-shirts, right? Great move that you're right by the bench. That's perfect. Just get in their head, aggravate Beautiful. them, get them to play Ball emotional, up. right? Yes. Perfect. Perfect. That's literally why you have students. Okay. Now, mm -hmm. after the first media timeout, BYU administrators the three bringer, the three banger guy that does the camps. What's his name? Um, Santiago, Santiago, and a couple of the other deputy athletic directors came over to the students and said, "Take them off right now, or you're kicked out." And the students were like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, no, that's that's like offensive and mean, and we're gonna kick you out of the arena if you don't take off your t-shirts." So the kids took off the t-shirts and everybody's like, wait a second, why are they taking off their t-shirts? And everybody on Twitter is like, oh, Texas made them take off the t-shirts. This is hilarious, right? But no, it was BYU administrators. <laughs> Texas didn't say a word. There were even some fans that took pictures of them and like, were like, hey, that's great. You know, like, that's funny. Um, But BYU came out and Mark Pope even said like, that's just not us. We're not mean. We, we want to be respectful of the, all the teams, blah, blah, blah. Justin, I, I turn the time over to you. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. My companion. Have the speaking feather. <laughs> um, absolute horse crap from BYU and its administration. Absolute horse crap from Mark Pope. 
And I honestly, I don't think that came from Mark Pope. I think he was told to say that after the game because nobody even asked him about it. The press conference was over and he made that statement. Mm. That is like, I, I think he was told to say that. And I think that's an absolutely charming soft move from Santiago and from the other deputy athletic directors. That's rude. That's mean. It's a student section. Get over it. This is sports. And it's not like they were saying anything personal, right? It's not like they had players like images on their shirts. It's not like they were making fun of personality traits. It's not like they were making fun of anything. The only thing they were putting down was the horns. They're not putting down anyone else. It's a sports symbol. Get over it. Like, I don't get why people get so worked up about it. Texas got worked up about it a while ago. Sure. And I get, yeah, it was classless and disrespectful to do it in the handshake line toward the, toward the players. I get that. Whatever. But these are just fans. These are students being students, fans being fans, fans being passionate. It's a shirt that says horns down. Why are we treating it like it's a hate crime? Why are we treating it like it's some like, oh, no, my my kids were on the my kids were holding on to the iron rod. But then they watched the television show. They watched the television moving picture box and they saw horns down. And now they're all addicted to drugs and prostitutes. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I made us seem incredibly soft. It was incredibly soft. And it makes me ashamed of BYU's administration. I 100% agree. I 100% agree. It is the softest, like, I and it, and it, it brings up so many problems with BYU and everything, right? Um, what What was the problem with the shirt saying horns down? But there was no problem with the student section giving the horns down. Right. That, nope. That's that's totally fine. Right. Mm-hmm. To just throw it up. But to say it like that's that's a problem. Right. Yep. It's Terrible. like the whole caffeine thing. Like, oh, coffee. <laughs> bad. But Mountain Dew, Red Bull. Good. Dr. Pepper. Good. Right. It's that whole like the. It, yeah, it's stupid. We're, we're treating it like it's a racial slur. Right. Like they had the N word painted on their chest or something. It's literally just horns down, right? We shouldn't be able to say beat Utah then. We shouldn't be able to give the U down or the horns down. We shouldn't be able to make fun of anybody then, right? Like if we're going to go down this road, let's go down this road, okay? No more signs in the student section. That's disrespectful. We're trying to distract them while they're shooting free throws. Are you kidding me? That is so dis- – that's that's so mean. Mm-hmm. Like what are we doing? Why, why are we let- – we, we are not allowed to cheer. We're not allowed to boo when the ref makes a bad call. Like – if you're going to take that nope. step, let's take it all the way, okay? Like, it, it's so stupid to say, oh, you can do whatever you want, say whatever you want, but as soon as you put on the shirt that says horns down, now it's a problem, right? I I see zero problem with putting a horns down shirt on. That I mean, th- there were pictures circulating Twitter of what Ohio State fans put on their shirts, what Georgia fans paint on their chests, Right. Horns down is the most benign thing that you have ever seen on a t-shirt, right? I I don't know. Oh, I'm yeah. flabbergasted and, like you said, just completely ashamed of the university. Yeah, you know, and one of those things that was on the Georgia students was, uh, and this is hilarious, they were playing South Carolina, the Gamecocks, right? So they had on their chest painted, circumcise them. The governor of Georgia 
took a picture with them. <laughs> That's how they were treated. Like, I get it. BYU doesn't want to be inappropriate. BYU doesn't want to be rude. And I see people on Twitter being like, good for BYU. We don't need to put anyone down to make us feel better. Who's putting anyone down? We're taking a symbol and turning it upside down. We're not mentioning anyone's name. It's definitely not as disrespectful as the student section chanting hairline at that guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like all it is is a signal of horns going down. The Like I said, the only thing getting put down are the horns. No individuals, no people. It's like if I saw somebody putting a Y down in the student section of like, let's say, Utah State or something like that, I'm, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not even <laughs> going to be offended by it. I'm just going to be like, that was weird. <laughs> just grow up, okay? Not everything is a, not everything has to be taken so seriously, especially in sports. Sports is the one thing that you can take too seriously about like results on the court and everything, but the fans when they are in there being fans, as long as they are not saying something overtly, you know, offensive or overtly like absolutely out of pocket or racist or something like that, as long as they're not doing that, let fans be fans. I 100% agree. It was just completely soft. It Bad, just, yeah. It was just a really bad move. Like, they just, it was just a bad move. It was a bad move by BYU. Uh, the game was nice. I mean, we played much better than we did against Houston. Uh, Texas came out shooting six of seven from the three-point line, and we held with them every step of the way. Like they were lights out and we held with them. Eventually they cooled off, ended up going eight of 22. We only shot 17 threes. This is a very, very different looking team. Now uh, we were moving it inside so much We the, the amount of cuts, backdoor cuts points at the rim. Like it was amazing to watch. Like I felt like I was watching a completely different BYU team than what we watched in the, the non-conference, right? Like a completely different team. And I think that's how we're going to have to play if we want to win in the Big 12. I mean, if you take free throws, right? We shot 15 free throws to their 16. Now, again, even free throw disparity. Uh, we out-rebounded them, 32 to 24. We had more points in the paint than they did. Like, it it was an all-around great performance by our team. Um, turnovers were still a problem for the, that stretch right before halftime and for a little bit in the second half. But I think this is kind of more the team we need to see. Just a really efficient, get to the bucket, play really physical. Um, that's the team that we're going to need to see if we want to make the tournament, if we want to do well in the Big 12 in the future. Absolutely, I agree. And like we stayed clean the whole game. I mean, nobody had more than three personal fouls the entire game. We went for 16 assists on 32 made field goals. One Amazing. assist for every two field goals made. Absolutely amazing. Like, that, that's just something that you cannot beat when a team is playing like that. BYU only shot 17 threes, which isn't a lot. But we shot 41%, which is a good clip. Right. We made seven threes, which only 21 of our 84 points came from the three-point line. Right. We're absolutely insane for this BYU team. We pounded it in the paint more. Jared said we outscored Texas in the paint, which is true. Jared, from, from the two-point area, we shot over 70% from the field insane like that's just highly highly efficient basketball that's yeah that's what you need to do if you're going to beat these big teams 
Absolutely. And it's a testament to BYU as well. Maybe this is, you know, the mind games that they're playing, right? They've taken so many threes the whole season. Texas's entire defensive game plan was to take away that three-point line. So those and they back did. cuts were open. They did. They yeah. did. Trevin Nell didn't even get a three-point shot off, and he's our highest volume three-point shooter. Jackson Robinson only got two three-pointers off. The only person that was able to get more than five three-pointers up was Noah Waterman, and that's because he's six foot eleven and can be <laughs> and can shoot over these guys, right? And he we were doing a very six. good job of moving the ball, back cuts, driving, getting those open lanes. Because their defense was so spread out, we were able to take advantage of the middle. We've seen a resurgence of Fusini Traore, who is mm-hmm. seems to be back to regular season form. So I think things are only going up from here. No, and like you said about Fus, he only played 18 minutes, but he was incredibly, incredibly crucial on defense. He played awesome. Six rebounds, six of seven from the floor, 16 points, right? Our third leading score. Like he was, I I don't know how to explain his his um his presence on the court but it changed like you could visibly see i i was like i i want to see a you know ali khalifa play and foos and stuff but anytime foos was on the court it was different he was making moves at the basket that i don't think i've seen throughout his entire career like this man was balling um jackson robinson he went off he only hit one three one of two from three but he was eight of 11 from the four 17 points Noel Waterman, 7 11 mm-hmm. from the fourth, three threes, 17 points. And then you had Richie and Spencer Johnson each get 11 points. Like it was a well balanced attack. It was coming from all over the field. We had a couple guys that could hit threes in Richie and Noah, but then most of our game was inside out. Like it was a great, great game from BYU. Like if we replicate that every week, if we had been doing that, then we could be top four in the conference. Yeah, and you mentioned Fusini Traore's 16 points. You also mentioned how many minutes he played. I just want to mention them together because it's insane. <laughs> 16 points in 18 minutes. Almost every single minute he was on the floor, he scored a point. Insane. That's pretty good efficiency, I would say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very good efficiency. And he shot well from the free throw line as well, which he has struggled with from time to time. But he's been doing very well from the free throw line this year in particular. Yeah, and our whole team, like, we missed, what, three? No, two free throws attempts. And it's funny because it came from Richie Saunders and Jackson Robinson, two cards. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, awesome. Just an awesome game. Like, I, I don't really know what else to say there. It was, it was a great win. Uh, glad we could beat Texas at home. I'm still getting used to basketball refs. I After watching football, right, and then you're watching basketball, like, Refs are so much more a part of the game in basketball. Still getting used to that. Um, but I think we played at a pace and at a physicality level that made it hard for the refs to call it one-sided against us, like they have early in the season, right, when we're just jacking up threes and the foul differential is crazy. We're playing a much better style of basketball that suits the Big 12 refereeing style. Absolutely. After the game, BYU received a little bit of a ratings bump and then fell on the ratings a little bit. You go one and one, you're not going to fall very far, especially when you go one and one against A, Houston, and B, Texas, who is not ranked. But you have to remember, before playing us, had beaten two ranked teams in a row. Mm-hmm. They are, BYU is still um, top 10 in net, top 10 in Ken Palm, and a projected five seed, which is every BYU fan's worst nightmare because if we get a five <laughs> seed, there's a 100% chance we're getting upset by the 12. 
Yeah, and we've been holding it the five seed for quite a while now. So you would assume if we keep splitting, you know, winning the game, you know, just kind of at the same pace we're at, a five seed would be fantastic. I think we can all agree. Like, if you would have told us coming into the season that we'd be a five seed, we would have pooped our pants. Like, a five seed would be awesome. If you would have told me that we made the tournament, (laughs) I would have pooped my pants. Right? Like, I, yeah. Anyway, we're tied for ninth in the Big 12. But, like, Justin was saying a little bit off air, uh, we're only like what two games out of first place, whatever it is. Like the the mm-hmm. margin for error in the Big Twelve is so thin. Like w- if we win these two games, these next two games, we'll be number two in the conference. So just because we're three and four um, doesn't mean that we're bad. It just means we're in a really really good conference. Straight, dang straight. Coming up for the BYU Cougars, we have a couple of intriguing games. After a early week bye, which um, every Big 12 team gets one early week bye, BYU is traveling to the land of the Mountaineers to take on West Virginia, who has struggled all year long, 8-13, and 3-5 and five in Big 12 play, but just got done tonight beating Cincinnati, who we lost to at home, so... Yeah, uh, I mean, West Virginia is not that good. Like, we should win. We'll probably be favored by, like, six points-ish. Um, I assume maybe less, maybe, like, three and a half because we're on the road. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is the worst team in the Big 12, and it would have been the second-best team in the WCC. So, like, according to Net and Ken Palm and everything, right? Like, th- this is still a good team. They were down 10 against uh, Cincinnati, held them scoreless, for five and a half minutes from like the six minute mark to the one minute mark, they held Cincinnati scoreless, came back, won the game. Um, this is not a team to take lightly, but again, a team that we should beat. And I would say beat handily. I, I think we should cover the spread, whatever it is. If it's less than six, I, I think we should cover that spread. Yeah. If you're BYU and you want to get back on track, this is a road game that you have to get. I mean, you've already dropped two home games this is a road game that you need to get. Absolutely. This is a must win for BYU. Mm-hmm. Next, on Tuesday, we go to number 23, Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is a good team. They were top 10 for a while, lost a couple games, uh, went to Texas on a crazy buzzer beater. Um, but they're, they're back. They went to Manhattan to play a good Kansas State team. I guess not a great Kansas State team, but a fairly decent Kansas State team. And they schlobber-knockered them beat them by 20 on the road. And we have to go to their place um, on Tuesday. Uh, I think we're going to be a dog, probably three and a half to five point dog on the road. Um, Again, Tuesday. I I don't know what to think about this one. I would love to get a win here, um, but I would just like to see it competitive. If we don't win on Saturday against West Virginia, this becomes a must win. But assuming we win against West Virginia, I'd be okay with a close loss here. Yeah, you know, Oklahoma seems seemed a lot more gettable three days ago, right? Like you <laughs> said, they just went to Manhattan and absolutely slobber-knockered Kansas State, took the Wildcats to the woodshed. This feels like a gettable game to me. Oklahoma's good, right? But we play a style of basketball that can easily compete with Oklahoma's style of basketball. 
I don't think Oklahoma has played a lot of teams like itself this year. And we are a team that can present that challenge to Oklahoma. So I honestly, in my humble opinion, West Virginia is a must win. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, this is a quad three game. It might be a quad two. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to I forget do some the research quads. on that. Yeah, I forget the quads. But you do not want to take this loss, right? No. West Virginia is an 8-13 and 13 team. This is a team that you need to beat. You can lose to Oklahoma and be fine as long as you keep it close. But I do think that we have a chance to go undefeated over the course of the next two games, Saturday and Tuesday, which would get us back on track in league, get us closer to that winning record 500 range. Yeah, and I, and I think this year at the Big 12 – because there's not, I mean, like Kansas is the best team, but they've lost a bunch of games. Like they've lost a couple games, right? Like the Big 12 is just so well-rounded. There's no really, really, really good team. And West Virginia and Oklahoma State are kind of at the bottom, but they're not like terrible, right? As we see with West Virginia beating Cincinnati. Um, I think if we can split these games, like you said, maybe go undefeated. It keeps us on track for that 500 record. And I think a 500 record is easy money single-digit seed in the tournament, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Easy, Not easy money if we go 500. And I think that's very, very possible with this BYU team. Um, like you said, this West Virginia game, it's a must-win if we want any chance at a favorable seed in the tournament that's not like a 7, 8, 9, 10 uh, kind of range. I think if you lose that game, things could start to slide because of, I mean, if we look at the rest of BYU's schedule, right? West Virginia on the road, Oklahoma on the road, then we come home, we play Kansas State and UCF, so those are also gettable at Oklahoma State. But if you gettable. lose the West Virginia game and then lose the Oklahoma game, all three of those games become must-must wins. The pressure's on, you're playing tight, these teams smell blood in the water, right? We need those next three games to be not cupcakes, but we need to go into them feeling really good about ourselves, feeling really confident, and, and kind of on a roll. Uh, because like I said, if we lose these next two, or if we lose to West Virginia, I I think those games become way, 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 way more difficult to win. Absolutely. I agree with that. Kansas State and UCF are both, you know, they're not great basketball teams, but they're good basketball teams. But I honestly think, you know, barring BYU doing something stupid, which obviously we are going to do anyway, <laughs> but I'm going to speculate as if we are not going to do that. If we can get West Virginia and at Oklahoma, if we can survive this two-game road stretch, and then have a two-game home stretch, there is a very real possibility that we can win five straight games in the Big 12. That would put us right near the top of the standings before we get to take on Baylor at home. So, Could you imagine Baylor coming in? They're going to be top 15. We'll probably be top 15. Like, this is what we want, right? But we got to mm-hmm. take care of business. We this game at West Virginia is such a sneaky, sneaky game. West Virginia just proved that they're more than they can be, you know, they more than they, they look like. And BYU played one of its best games against Texas. Like, this is a classic trap game scenario. You want a five mm-hmm. seed? You want a five or six seed? Like, or or maybe higher, right? You have to win this game. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that is looking up for BYU, BYU has not looked like itself offensively since coming into the Big 12. Only 60 points only 72 points, only 63 points. But in the past, let's see, uh, three out of the past four games, BYU has scored at least 80, sorry, at least 78 points. 
So they've gotten close to that 80 point range. BYU's offense is starting to get back. It's getting used to the physicality. It's getting used to how the Big 12 refs call things and is making adjustments. So I think that's a good sign for BYU. The only question is, Jared, if we win these five straight, does that qualify as heating up too early and not heating up in March? <laughs> I think you're right, dude. I I think you're right because let's look at the rest of the schedule, right? So let's say we win West Virginia, Oklahoma mm-hmm. on the road, yep. and then you get Kansas State, UCF, and Oklahoma State. That's our five-game win streak, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Baylor at home. That's going to be a really, really tough one. You go to Manhattan, play Kansas State. You go to Kansas. And then our last three games, TCU, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. TCU and Iowa State are both ranked. Oklahoma State at home should be a dub. I, hmm. I think you're right. You could go one and three in your last four, right? One and three in your last four, and that qualifies as cooling down so that you can heat back up in March. Uh, yeah, but then, it, but then you get into the realm of like, oh, are we fading? Like, are we running out of gas? Because then – not that not that we would be, but that's kind of mm-hmm. the perception. Maybe that gets in the players' heads, right? Oh man, we can't we can't do this for, you know, we can't play this many quality teams this many times in a row. I, I think if it's me, if it's me, I want to win. I want to split our last four, right? I want to beat Oklahoma State and TCU. Maybe lose to Iowa State and Kansas. I don't know. I think we can go on a five game win streak and be okay. As long as you don't have the, the opposite of a win streak, you know, I, I think if we can go on a little win streak, that'd be nice. I'm going to say it. I agree. I would take I it. I'll, I'll take it too. Um, regardless, I am very excited about this basketball team. I did not think that I would be here at this point in the year. Um, I, like – we're, we're picking, we're, we're nitpicking a little bit, you know, we're talking about this and that, what we can do better. And we hate choking away games. I mean, in the off season, I didn't even think we were going to be in a position to choke away games. I didn't think we'd be tied with Houston with two nope. minutes left. Right. I, I honestly thought we were going to win maybe three big 12 games this year. And we've already done that. Um, I'm very impressed with what Mark Pope has done. Um, I don't know if I'm like fully back in on Mark Pope. Cause I was like pretty out on Mark Pope. Uh, during the off season, I I'm starting to buy back in these adjustments that he's making, taking less threes, adjusting the style of play. These are smart moves, man. I can't deny it. it yeah, I I would be 100 in on Mark Pope if it weren't for him condemning the horns down. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so he takes a hit in my in my book for that, but no, it's BYU is making necessary adjustments. They're playing defense better. They are handling physicality better. They're getting to the rack. I don't think, you know, Jared, you were able to watch the whole Texas game in its entirety. One of the first ones you were able to watch in its entirety for a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Have you in the past, mm, I mean, maybe with Yoli Childs, maybe not. When is the last time that you saw a BYU team dunk the ball as much as they did versus Texas? It's been a while. I, I would say that Yoli Childs, the Yoli Childs teams, like, that's probably it. Yeah, like, BYU is getting to the rack, and they're being aggressive. They're not just – I mean, Jackson Robinson had one puny little layup that I feel like he could have went up and dunked. <laughs> Other than that, though, I mean, you have guys like Richie Saunders elevating. You have Fusini Traore elevating. You had somehow 
Ali Khalifa had a freaking runner one off of one foot dunk on somebody versus UCF. We're becoming aggressive. We're playing basketball how it needs to be played in this league. Right. And you mentioned Richie Saunders. The fact that Richie Saunders is even in a position to dunk the basketball says a lot about what we're doing on offense, right? Um, mm-hmm. Another interesting thing before we kind of move on from BYU basketball, Atiki Ali Atiki did not play against Texas. Mm-hmm. Now, Again, I have not been able to watch a bunch of games. I don't know if he's been injured or been sucking lately. I think that's a really interesting move. I think Ali Khalifa is is a great asset on offense, does his job on defense for the most part, and then Foose, now that he's healthy. He's a really and, good defender, actually. And, that, and, yeah, and now that Foose is getting back into his rhythm, like he's become a complete asset. I don't know if we're going to need to see that much more of a team, but I just thought that was interesting, and I forgot to bring it up, but – it, it is interesting that, you know, our second tallest guy in the team didn't play a second against Texas, and we still dominated the board, still dominated the paint, and still won by 12. Yeah, you know, Atiki, I mean, I love him. He's a great defender and everything, and I love how much he fouls people. Love that. <laughs> yeah. But he's just, he's not a score, right? He can go get two points for you here and there if he needs to. But he's not, doesn't have a super polished post game. He's a lot better than he was a year ago. But he doesn't have a super polished post game. He doesn't have an exterior shot. You know, not even like a, you know, 15 footer. He doesn't have that in his game. And he's mm-hmm. not as good of a passer as Fusini, Traore, or Ali Khalifa are. No, Granted, no one you know, is as good of a passer as Ali is. Oh, no. And, you know, Atiki, he hasn't been playing very much in the past three or three or four games. You know, there was one, one of my raising the stakes, I considered it a, um, not a loss in my book uh, because I predicted that he would do something and then he did not play in that game. So I think I should. It's just an old. It's, it's an old. I mean, he has been playing with a broken left thumb for the entire season. Mm. There's that. Maybe they're sitting him trying to heal, but it's not like he hasn't played like that and had success playing like that this season. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been playing with it and been playing well. I just, yeah, I I honestly think we're only going to see him situationally, right? Do they have a big bruising guy that needs to take an elbow or two to calm him down? That's when you put a tiki in, right? Other than that, he's not he's not an offensive liability, but he's not an offensive asset. No, I 100% agree. He's uh, that's perfectly put, right? He's not a liability, but he's not an asset. Uh over the last 5 games, he's played in 2 for a total of 15 minutes. And he scored three points total, right? Like three points in 15 minutes. I know that's not a lot of time, but like he's just not doing anything, right? Mostly zeros across the stat sheet. Um, I don't know. And and again, like he's a good player. I think if we get in foul trouble, I think we can be okay putting him in. Like if Ali or Foos get in foul trouble, like I'm not worried about putting a, a, a Tiki in there. I think he can do his job well enough, right? Until we get to the last four minutes or so. Uh, of the half of the mm-hmm. game but yeah it, it's just interesting that even though we are undersized even though we don't have a ton of like physical strength as they would say right we're still playing this this brand of basketball and and it's working so i don't know i i really like this BYU team i guess that's kind of all i gotta say here um i'm, I'm excited to see what we can do we yeah we have to win on saturday mm-hmm. must win Absolute must win, and because we have declared it a must win, we're going to lose. But reverse <laughs> jinx. 
Yep. Crossing all the fingers. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, even if we do lose at West Virginia, we can get it back by winning at Oklahoma. That'll be a quad one win. That'll be really, really, really big. Both of us are going to be ranked in top 20. That, that would be awesome. Yeah, and you know, losing to West Virginia would suck, but it's nothing like losing to Pacific. So at least <laughs> that's, that's true, right? We lose to the second worst team in the conference, and it's a quad two loss, right? It's not going to mm-hmm. be a quad four loss to Santa Clara or Pepperdine on the road where you're out of the tournament because you lost, right? And there's so many more chances to make it up. Yeah, it's a great point. I love being a Big 12, man. Love it. <laughs> Jared, got a quick question for you. Um, with Gonzaga sucking, we've talked about Gonzaga and St. Mary's both kind of having a down year. Yep. Who do you think is currently at the top of the West Coast Conference? That's a great question. I am glad and happy to report that I have watched and paid absolutely zip zero zilch attention to the WCC. Hasn't even crossed my mind at all. I'm so sick of it. So just happy to be done with it. Um, I'm going to say Gonzaga, still number one in the conference, though. Yeah, even though St. Mary's and Gonzaga are both down this year and both suck, um, St. Mary's is number one and Gonzaga is number two still. Oh. <laughs> well, screw St. Mary's. I hope they lose all their games. Yeah, Santa Clara is only one game behind them, though, and is tied with Gonzaga, their only loss being to St. Mary's. Oh. Okay, okay. It was by 24, but... <laughs> Oh, shoot. And uh, they beat Gonzaga by one. Dude, Gonzaga is currently projected first four out by Lenardi. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. What was it? What? Why is it that as soon as we join the the WCC, they become this perennial, like, unbeaten, number one, like, every year is a one seed. And then as soon as we leave, they're like, ah, we're back. We're back to being on the bubble. What what is this? We were their supervillain. Without (laughs) us there... They have no purpose. That's uh, it's totally. Uh, there's no other explanation. No. Um, I, I guess, I guess, last thing for me, I, I did see that in Jerry Palm's bracketology. It, I don't think it's his most recent one. Uh, it was a while ago, but BYU was projected five seed, and the twelve seed was St. Mary's, and. Whoa. And the game was in Salt Lake. I mean, come on. Come on. Could you That would be discounted. There's a 100% chance we lose that game. There's no way we win. Oh, oh yeah. That's like every BYU fan's worst nightmare. But you could imagine, could you imagine the Delta Center? Like, holy shiz. That place would be rocking. Yeah, like, I say that... You shouldn't make fun of other people's appearance on the court as much as possible. That philosophy goes out the window with Randy Bennett. Oh, yes. That bald, devil-looking son of a gun. I don't want him anywhere within a 50-mile radius of me. If he has to come (laughs) play here in Salt Lake City, I will relocate to anywhere but here. I do not (laughs) want to be in the vicinity of that man. Uh, we love Randy Bennett so much, so much on this podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, parting thoughts here. Uh, who you got in the Super Bowl? I'm riding with the Chiefs. Um, mm. 
just dynasty, uh, good old Andy, cheeseburger Andy, uh, Tay Tay, Travis, and then Mahomes is just he's Thanos of the NFL. He's freaking inevitable. Collecting collecting gems, he's gonna be like Thanos pretty soon. <laughs> um, I'm going with the University of Delaware football alums <laughs> daughter's boyfriend's team. Um, for those of you that don't know, gotcha. Taylor Swift's dad played at the University of Delaware football. Um, but she's just recently getting into football now that Travis now that she's going out with Travis. But um yeah, um the Money media machine will not allow the 49ers to win, um, nor <laughs> will Brock Purdy being at quarterback allow them to win. So kind of a double whammy. I'm going yeah. with the Chiefs. Yeah, not going to lie, dude. Brock Purdy was not that good against the Lions. The Lions just freaking collapsed. That was he disgusting. Made some plays. He, he did he make did. some plays with his he legs. Did. But, but that first half was bad. That, yeah. that was a bad – like if you do that against the Chiefs, I think it's over. Um, oh, yeah. I, I like I'm okay with either team winning because Freddie on the Niners, right? Yeah. Like you, you got to give him that. Uh, you got Nick Bosa and Chase Young who stinks at football now somehow. Um, yeah. But I I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I think it's a great great matchup between two good teams. Um, I I'm gonna watch it this year. I'm gonna I'm excited. I, I always watch my most of my NFL football in the month of January and February. So. Uh, yeah, I'm actually excited for the Super Bowl this year, which I haven't been able to say in a lot of past years. Jared is excited to watch the No Fun League. You heard it here first. I know. I know. In uh, other news, Jared is going to a mental hospital. <laughs> when does the United Football League start? Um, the United Football years. League starts in um, March, if I'm not mistaken. United Football Let's see. If you're ta- if you're looking for the UFL, not the United Football League, but the Utah Football <laughs> League, uh, we start in April and we have a new field this year. So, oh, that's right. Where are you guys playing? Um, at another elementary school, half a mile east of the elementary school that we currently play at. Okay, keeping so, it close. Uh, keeping it close. <laughs> yeah, literally the exact same thing. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know when the. First game is I tried going to their website and now it's taking me to buy tickets. So yeah, their website is terrible. So if I want to look at Arlington, um, the only thing they have is a season ticket membership with five events included. So now I have to click into that. Um, it's loading seats. It's loading seats. Oh, and March thirtieth. No, I'm just March thirtieth. Okay, March that 30th. was way quicker than the UFL's website. <laughs> uh, yeah, Doctor Doctor Google got it for me. But yeah, so we have a long way before football is going to be back back. So everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Should be fun. Absolutely enjoy the Super Bowl. And if you want, I'm checking this right now. You can get season tickets for the Arlington Renegades. Um, five events for $225. So if you're interested in that and you're in the Dallas area. <laughs> Good to know. Justin just, you know, boots on the ground doing the people's work out here. You know, someone's got to. All right, baby. I, I'm out. I'm out. Of the, my, my gun is empty. I'm out of bullets. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Thanks for joining us for this 150th episode of the Royal Strong and True podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Loyal to Royal Pod. We love you guys. Bye-bye now. Goodbye now. Rock, 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 rock.